This is Ashley Hodge. I'm joined by Kendall Cal. We're going to do a Ring by Spring podcast. It's like number eight, number nine, somewhere in that uh, time frame. And man, you know, there was times when we started this podcast when we thought maybe the uh, title of the podcast was a little bit too ambitious. But uh, after two game winning streak, beating Texas at home and and beating Oklahoma State on the road without Keontae George in either one of those games for the most part and without Langston Love and much of the uh, Oklahoma State game, you got to feel a little bit better about this team and how they're trending. Uh, Kendall, what did you like about the uh, last two performances for Baylor Bear basketball? I like Dale Bonner, actually. Uh, I like <laughs> We both like the, Dale Bonner, yes. The Dale Bonner movement is not dead. I interviewed him for a half an hour at the Park MGM in Vegas, and I interviewed Adam as well for 30 minutes. Subscribers to the site may say, Kendall, my mistake for not catching two excellent profiles. You must have written about those guys. Where are those? And I would just say, well, if you talk to me or CJ Morey would tell you it's, a, it's an art, not a science to get out of profile. And the Dale Bonner one, I was just like, well, unfortunately, this is going to have to get shelled because I'm not going to write a story about, you know, he didn't end up playing the rest of the year. But what a, what a time Vegas was. But, <laughs> but now, now I'm like, whether it is in Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament, or whether, you know, Baylor goes to Denver or wherever it goes, I'm going to go to Baylor's first week in sight no matter what. Right. I feel confident I can count on Matt Roberts into getting me Dale Bonner again. And then Jared Butler's going to return my calls for this Adam Flagler story. And we're going to get these stories done. And so that's a side piece just to note. We love Dale Bonner. Uh, good guy. I remember after Baylor beat KU in Waco, I had talked to somebody with the program. And I was just like, how do you think Dale's going to take this? And they were like, well, you never can know for sure, but I just – I feel bad for Dale if there aren't going to be minutes there because we all love Dale. There are minutes for Dale now, Ashley. Dale has got to stay in the rotation. The way this guy played, his intensity on defense, I mean, there's just something different about Dale on defense where there is no other Baylor guard who can go for a steal like that and then recover. Right. And for all the talk I've been about, like, I want to see no middle die, Dale Bonner can let the guy kind of beat him a little bit, which is no middle is necessitated on getting beat slightly and then recovering that Davion could do so well. Yep. Maceo's wingspan allowed Jared Butler's ability to block shots as a guard. You see with Dale Bonner, why defenses can work. So yes, is, is Adam Flagler better than Dale Bonner? Sure. Sure. We're not, we're not doing that right now, but Dale Bonner is the thing that should be the story of these two games. And it is that the rotations in flux and I can appreciate and I respect Baylor saying, Hey, let's see if we can go long with John at the four and whether it's Josh or Flo. That was fine and dandy to do for a little bit. But, look, Baylor's got a defensive rebound, but they got a Dale Bonner. The Dale Bonner movement is alive. I didn't sell my stock. I got way hyped in the preseason. I kept a little bit of this stock, and I'm sorry that I'm rich now. <laughs> for anybody who's poor that didn't keep Dale Bonner's stock. But we're live. We're going forward. Dale Bonner for president. That's my take, Ashley. I like it. Uh, yeah, he's, he's certainly earned um, more playing time for sure. And it's going to be interesting to see – what Scott Drew does with the rotations once he gets Langston Love back from this uh, scratch cornea. And then, you know, Keontae George may or may not play Saturday. I'm, I'm expecting he will play. I think uh, from all indications, it was just more of a tweak of an ankle. And he's the type of kid that I think is going to want to play his last game in the Farrell Center. Uh, he loves, you know, being on the home court. And, and I bet he plays and plays well. But, but if he doesn't, you know, uh, that just delays the decisions that are ultimately coming. You know, what do you do with these lineups now? I, I, Jared Hamby and I talked about this after the postgame podcast last night. I think we may be, you know, in alignment on this. Uh, you almost, if, if we're going to go eight-man rotation, it seems logical that you're going to play the five guards. Uh, Jalen Bridges is obviously going to gobble up a lot of minutes, and then you're going to rotate John and Flo at the uh, center position. W would you agree with that? 
Yeah, uh, I've never. I don't think I've ever talked to Caleb Lohner, but I, he seems like a nice kid. Um, he, you know, got some nice rebounds, had some good minutes in Vegas. But in the same vein that Dale Bonner played his way out of the rotation, he's played his way back in. Unfortunately, the reverse has happened for Caleb. I think that I feel more comfortable if Dale is joined by the three guards, whether that's some combination of the starting three in Langston or if it's Jalen out there or whoever else. But you got to have Dale in those minutes. And heck, I feel better if Dale Bonner is just playing the four and asked to cross match and guard point guards. So I agree 100%. I think the Caleb minutes should go to Dale. And then I think you also can reduce the lead guards minutes a few minutes because early in the season, I thought, you know, Baylor really needs to push Adam to 38 a night. They need to push Keontae to 37, 38. But I think those guys, because of how intensely they play on offense and how much work Baylor asks them to do off the ball, are just at their apex at 33 minutes a night. And so I would rather get minute 12 of Dale Bonner than minute 37 of Adam Flagler. So I think that's also a place that Dale could take a few minutes too. Yeah, I, I like that thought process, you know, and, and that makes sense, especially as you start looking at uh, what the road ahead is, and that's, you know, two games in three days or or hopefully three games in three days, you know, for, with the Big 12 tournament. So uh, if you think about it in those terms, you, you need fresh legs, you need depth, and, and Baylor proved when they won the national championship how important it is to have those eight quality players, uh, whereas a lot of teams at this point are going to go with six or seven uh, heavy minutes. And I think if Baylor can effectively play, you know, three guys off the bench and, and play them, you know, good minutes, you know, Bonner – Jonathan and uh, Langston Love, then then you've got something pretty special, you know, that, that can survive each weekend uh, as we move forward. One thing I want to talk about, and and I, I was just watching the Matthew Loves Basketball replay, and it didn't give me a full appreciation for this, but as I was watching last night, and I mentioned this on the podcast last night as well, but I thought Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer played outstanding defense. And, and maybe part of that is how contagious Dale Bonner's defense is. Uh, you know, I agreed with Fran's comment that when Dale Bonner and any combination of guards makes your defense better, but and we know in D- Jalen Bridges has been a really good defender all year, but I, I, it seems like to me like Adam and LJ are just locking down the last few games. Have you noticed that? I think so. I thought LJ played really good defense in Manhattan. Yeah, uh, the way they see the media there, you kind of get a over-the-top angle. Yep. And I thought LJ was really grinding hard on defense in Manhattan. And I do think he's kicked it up a gear. So I think it's both the infectiousness of Dale and I agree with that perception that they're trying real hard on defense. And I think if they're, again, at that 32, 33 minute a night threshold, that's when they can really say, okay, I can give my entire soul to the defensive end. And then, no, I can run around five screens if you're LJ still on offense. So that I think is the perfect amount of minutes. I was wrong in my earlier take that I want to see Adam LJ go 40 unless the national championship game. I want to see him go 32 or 33 with Dale Bonner still getting some play. Yeah, you saw last night. I mean, of course, it's a back-to-back. You're playing Saturday, and then you're playing again Monday, kind of like you will have to do in an NCAA tournament format. But, uh, you know, I thought LJ had to go 40 last night because of the injury to Langston Love, and he wore down a little bit. Um, You know, he still played really solid defense and was getting good shot attempts, but you could tell his legs were a little tired at the end of that game last night, and and that's why his – offensive production dropped off quite a bit in the second half so like you say ideally if you can get them at the 32 33 minute mark and if Langston and and Dale can give you really good you know minutes uh coming off the bench then then that is a a plus for you know Baylor basketball and especially for the defensive improvement we all hope that we'll see down the stretch absolutely I think I think we're on the same page about the Dale Bonner movement is coming back and it's going to lead to some good things this is the 
after the K-State game, I think it was reasonable to just think the defense too bad to contend. But there were plus signs about the defense with Dale. And then Keontae coming back. You know, obviously you don't want him to turn his ankle, and he's been playing great offensively. But he's such an introspective guy that I do think the game out or the two games he's missed aren't going to be negative things for Keontae, right? Somebody yeah. else could have a negative thing and think, oh, I'm going to the NBA draft soon. I better actually sit out the whole Big 12 tournament, and I maybe shouldn't even think about the NCAA tournament because that's just risky for me. <laughs> or I should be sad because something bad's happened to me. No, I think he's going to be real introspective. I think he's going to look at how he could play better. And I'm sure Keontae was living and dying every possession watching the game in Stillwater. So I think this will be a negative experience. It is a positive for him, something I almost rarely ever do in my life. So I applaud that in Keontae. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I, I love his toughness. You know, that's that's been the thing that surprised me the most about him is uh, up until missing, you know, this game. I mean, he's played through Nick's, you know, little Nick's and bruises and seems like he really loves the competition. I think we all wish his defense was a little better. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that um, that's typical for a freshman. And, you know, he's making some strides. And, and I do think, like you said, you know, just having these two games to watch and, and to look at film, which I, you know he's doing, I think he'll take it to heart, get better, and, and you know, give us, you know, better minutes defensively uh, going forward. I, I have a lot of confidence in that. So um, as we look at the uh, potential for the Big 12 seedings, the tournament next week, uh, obviously, you know, Baylor will be favored to play, you know, what is what is a fastly declining Iowa State team, a, a team that's dangerous, you know, a team that's going to be really hungry to get a win on Saturday. But, man, you talk about a team that's uh, gone from 6-2 and two in the Big 12 to now 8-9 and nine in conference play. They've just kind of really fallen off. Their offensive struggles are real. They are. Such an old team other than uh, their point guard. So I think the age really helped him out. That, And I was talking again to somebody in the program before that Iowa State game. And they met, I guess I saw a few other people from the program too. But I was talking to somebody and they mentioned their age is really a huge benefit for them to start out the season. Right. You mentioned 6-2 and two start. I think they even started 4-0, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, actually, as part right. of that journey. And they mentioned that person I talked to. Well, they got a lot of 23- and 24-year-olds. So that's going to be a big advantage early. But kind of like last year where you know Iowa State got hot in the tournament, won two games. But they really had tanked at the end of last year as well. Otzelberger's a great coach. I think he molds them earlier than most people because he's a good coach and he gets the most out of his talent, but his talent's not quite there yet. Now he's recruiting real well heading into the future, but Iowa State is always going to be deadly in Kansas City. Baylor certainly needs to win this game on Saturday. Senior day, send off you know, Adam and Flo well, send off Keontae well in their final games in the Farrell Center, as I assume it will be Adam's final game. But I did want to ask you, Ashley. You know, every year we do this, is Ashley coming to Kansas City. Are you officially coming to Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament? I, I am coming to Kansas City. <laughs> So I'm I'm driving up on Wednesday. I'm I'm driving the car so I can keep my schedule flexible. Uh, but I do have a room. I do have tickets. I do have a media credential as well. So, um, you know, my plan is to use the media credential maybe to, you know, complement what you're doing from a media perspective there. But uh, certainly, my 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 uh, I'm coming to enjoy the the great basketball that Kansas City always offers, and I, and I'm hoping that. Uh, you know, Baylor, I I, we, I talked about this with Jared Hamby before we started rolling the podcast, or maybe Sunday afternoon we talked about this, but I, I like teams that are really good and efficient on offense in three-day tournaments. I, I just think that that's a, a good recipe for, for winning those tournaments. And give me, give me a Ken Palm number two offensive team over a Ken Palm number two defensive team in a three-day tournament all day long. Uh, because of the you know the the short amount of windows to to scout and make adjustments, are are you in agreement with that, or do you have any opinions one way or another? You know, actually, I've talked myself into I'm going to have a good three days in Kansas City. 
a lot of times. And I fear you're doing the same thing right now. <laughs> I don't know. Like, Ashley, were you at the 2014 Big 12 tournament when Baylor was the seventh seed in four games, four days? Yes. Okay, no, so no, 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 no. I wasn't there in person. Sorry. I was not there. In well, person, that's what's yeah. got me nervous, right? The yeah. only time really recently Baylor's had a good Big 12 tournament was the one you weren't at. And you've been at all the other ones <laughs> where it's just gone to heck. So I should stay home is what you're saying. Well, yeah, we're not saying you have to stay home. We're just saying I'm just saying. Until I see Baylor do well in a Big 12 tournament where you're in Kansas City, I got to believe it. <laughs> and so, like, I was on the Sirius XM show today, and they were asking me, like, well, do you think Baylor's going to really sell out for the Big 12 tournament? I was like, I don't know. Like, certainly, you know, Scott, it seems like, wants to win a Big 12 tournament. I know the players want to win one for him because that's really the only thing he doesn't have on his right. resume right now, which, again, kind of, you look at a resume, it's to me, like, Big 12 tournament champions is almost like saying you're proficient in word. It's like, what's this telling me? You know how to open a document? Who cares? <laughs> Win the real tournament. But that, that is one thing he still has to worry about, I guess, if he worries about it in any capacity. Um, so I love the Big 12 tournament. It's a fun event. You know, you get to see a bunch of Iowa State fans and think you're, you're glad you didn't go to school there. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's, uh, I, I don't know. I just, I, I got to see it from Baylor at the Big 12 tournament. Are there going to be a bunch of Iowa State fans there tonight or next week? I don't know. I mean, that's. Uh... I guarantee it, Ashley, if you've, not, you've been to Ames, Iowa. Yeah, that's their spring break. That's their big time to come to the big city of Kansas City and, and live it up, right? Yeah, they will all be at the bar talking about that time they almost made the lead eight once. Yeah. And so you can go to a bar and watch them drink Coors Light and talk about almost making the Elite <laughs> Eight once and how, you know, Matt Campbell really wanted to stay at Iowa State to win eight games every season. So there'll be an opportunity of a lifetime if that's your kind of culture because they'll be there even if they lose. There's, there's no reason they want to go back to Ames. They will be in Kansas City the whole time. I think I'm pretty optimistic about NCAA tournament. I still have some hesitancies about Baylor in the NCAA tournament or the Big 12 tournament, but I do believe offense wins championships. <laughs> it does, absolutely. All right, story time. Uh, it, it involves Iowa State. You brought back a memory. So, so I'm staying at the Marriott downtown Kansas City, where Baylor's you know hotel was, and Iowa State was staying there. I think West Virginia was staying there. Maybe Oklahoma. There was there was three or four teams there. So. I'm going back to my hotel room at like one or two in the morning. You know, we were watching basketball late out with the guys having a good time. And so as I, as I'm going back to my hotel room, I see, uh, George's Niang in, in the lobby and I dap him up and, uh, you know, then I, then I get in the elevator and, uh, Monte Morris is coming out of the elevator. And then is it Jamal McKay? Is that, is that the, the big yeah, guy? Yeah, I think on so. the team? Okay. It might be Jamil, but it's Jamal or Jamil. Jamal. McKay, yep. Yeah. So I open the elevator door and Jamal is like mugging down with some like, you know, probably middle aged and her mid forties uh, woman in the elevator that looked like, you know, just an Iowa state fan. And I was like, Oh, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> and, and so that was what I, that was what we opened the elevator to. And I was like, man, these, uh, these Iowa state fans, they, they take this groupie stuff serious, man. I, I tell you what. Uh, so that was a good memory. And, and the other memory that was kind of funny was, uh, Bob Huggins, uh, you know, got in the elevator one time and I could tell he had had a few and, and, uh, he saw the Baylor emblem on my, uh, shirt and he goes, Baylor bears, Baylor bears. I love how that comes off the tongue. Baylor bears, Baylor bears. <laughs> and he just kept saying that over and over again. So good memories in Kansas city. It's always fun to be around the other teams and, and see some of the characters involved in college basketball. But those are two that immediately came to my mind. And I can assure you, Ashley, if we run into any Baylor players and see them with mid forties women, we don't know any Baylor players. We didn't hear about it. We no. didn't see about it. So, unfortunately, yeah. we will not be breaking news if Baylor players are with 40-year-old women because Baylor <laughs> men are loyal. 
they couldn't even <laughs> contemplate the idea of cheating, not being in a relationship with all their girlfriends they love. So right. I, we didn't see anything in Kansas City. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, on to the uh, tournament. I was looking at the seeding. You know, MRED uh, does this, uh, you know, basketball uh, or Big 12 tournament uh, simulator, which I always enjoyed going to this time of year. And so, you know, we're, we're hopeful that Texas Tech is going to beat Kansas tonight, but that's probably not going to happen. But let's say it does, okay? Let's say, let's say in a perfect world, TCU beats Texas tonight and Texas Tech pulls the big monster upset against Kansas. And then we go into Saturday. Baylor takes care of business at home against the, the Cyclones. Texas beats Kansas in Austin, uh, that, which w- would probably not happen either, you know, because that, that would be just too fortunate for us. But um, if all that stuff happens and, and, you know, the perfect scenario does unfold, then, then a three-way tie for, for first place happens between Kansas, Texas, and Baylor. So Baylor can claim another championship uh, third in a row. And, and then if that situation uh, does, does occur, then Baylor's the three seed just based on, you know, uh, mutual records. I'm also assuming that Kansas State drops one of their two, probably at West Virginia, uh, you know, to, to close the season, which, which is not a great assumption, but that could happen. So anyway, Baylor, Baylor looks like they're either going to be the two or the three seed. Either way, even if they tie for first place in the Big 12 standings, they're, they're going to be a three seed. Um, if, if, you know, some other things happen, if, if Texas loses to TCU and Texas loses to, um, Kansas, Kansas runs away with the, the, uh, big 12 title outright. They're going to be the one seed. Baylor would be the two, assuming Kansas state loses, you know, one of their last two games. Uh, so if that all happens, then Baylor would be the two seed, but it's possible. It's going to be somewhere between, uh, two, three and four for Baylor either way, no matter what happens from this point forward. Um, what would you prefer like let's say your 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 path to the title game is Iowa State as a six seed, and and then you have um, a matchup against uh, e- either Texas or Kansas State as as the two seed. If you're the three seed, let's say it's Texas, would you prefer that path, or would you rather uh, play TCU and be a four seed, play TCU and then get Kansas in the semifinals? I mean, what's your what's your preference? I would prefer. I'm okay if Baylor's a four or a five. I don't like playing Iowa State in Kansas City. Yeah. My number one thing I'd like to see at the Big 12 tournament is a third game, Baylor-K-State. Yes. I think Baylor definitely should have won that game in Waco. And then that second half was just really disappointing. Jerome Tank's done a great job. Their top two players, Keontae Johnson and uh, Marquise Noel, have done a, an excellent job. But we go back to the Dale Bonner movement. Yeah. I would be interested if they put Dale Bonner on Keontae Johnson and just said, make it hard for him to catch the ball in the spots he wants and just be in his body the whole time, and he'll have a height advantage on you, but if he wants to shoot over you, that's one thing. And so I also think with the competitors this group of guys are, I don't think they want to lose three times to a team, and if they do get popped three times, you better believe they're in the NCAA tournament angry. So I want the K-State-Baylor rubber match no matter what. And then I'd love to see KU-Baylor 3.0 after each is one in its most, each is one in its own venue uh, going back to the last couple of years, and then they split in the other's venue. Uh, during the COVID year in 2020, so I'd like I want to see I want to see the Kansas tour against what I'm saying. I had yeah. to live watching that on the road. Whatever happens, I want to see Baylor K State, and I want to see Baylor KU this next week. Yeah, I, I like the way you think. I I would prefer that as well. Um, obviously, we know what the city of Kansas City, the local businesses, and if you're a conspiracy theorist, you might say that it's 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 just good overall to see Kansas State, uh, Kansas, and Iowa State advance in in that uh, Big 12 tournament. 
but um, and and they have more often than not. You know, those are the teams that typically play for the finals. It seems like, uh, in, except in not in you know in COVID years uh, that when Texas won it. But um, you know, I I think that um, I agree with you. It, it would be great to get Kansas State in the semis and then get Kansas in the final. Uh, I think that would be highly entertaining and and uh, it would be very satisfying if Baylor were able to win the Big Twelve tournament with that kind of a path, you know, and, and even for me, I mean, I would love to go Iowa state, Kansas state and Kansas. Uh, you know, I, I understand your reservations. You're basically playing three road games there, but, um, but, you know, I think that, uh, that would be pretty satisfying to go through that, uh, as your, as your path to get there. I kind of feel like TCU is the one you probably don't want to play. I think, I think they may be the worst matchup for us. Yeah. The sprinting, the transition basketball, TCU probably feeling like, Hey, if Mike miles had played, we could have swept these guys. Right. And I don't know that Baylor would get that hype for TCU compared to the other teams. And if you right. do that, K-State, KU path, I think Baylor would end up the highest overall number two seed. And whether that's the UCLA bracket or Oof. Purdue stays on the one line, Baylor already beat UCLA. See, I, I, I think we're a one. I'm guaranteeing it right now. If, if Purdue's not even going to be in the Elite Eight, but if Baylor plays Purdue in the Elite Eight, take out a second mortgage, go down to the bank and cry <laughs> and beg for them to give you a third mortgage and bet every dollar you've got on Baylor over Purdue. Do we, do we have 12 12- quad one wins now or do we have 11 that's a good question it's always tough with the big 12 because ou is always right on that line of oscillating and you've got some of the teams that oscillate for the um home games as well so i don't know okay i'm gonna look it up while we're talking but uh you know i think i think if we have 12 i mean just just think about the the fact that if we win our next four we're gonna have 16 quad one wins i mean i, j- I just don't see how we're we're off the one line with that kind of resume uh, we're eleven and eight in quad one right now, so um, we'll have fifteen quad one wins if if that ends up happening. You know, if if we win the next uh, four games, we're going to have you know fifteen quad one wins, and and you look at like Houston by you know uh, by comparison, uh, they'll have four, maybe five if Memphis. Uh, I don't maybe Memphis maybe maybe qualifies as a quad one. Uh, so they'll have, you know, they'll have five quad ones, but they also have a quad three loss. Uh, and then, and then you, you know, you got um, Alabama, you know, has, is nine and four in quad one. So, I mean, I think they may slip up at A&M or, you know, if, if Alabama loses a couple games here, then that will help Baylor's case. You know, UCLA, uh, you know, will have seven or eight quad one wins, but Baylor's got a head-to-head win against them. And then Purdue, if Purdue slips up again, which they certainly – look like they're trending that direction i don't know i just i just feel like i feel like with 15 quad one wins we got to be on the one line i think ku almost assuredly stays on the one line yeah. unless they lose tonight right and have a really i think ku would have to lose their next three to not be a one seed. yes i don't see that well happening. and and i think even then they might you know i mean they're they're 15 and five in quad one uh you know they don't they have no losses outside quad one they're 15 and five in quad one so i mean i just don't see them moving off the one line Yep, I agree. I don't see them moving off. The thing that makes me nervous about Houston moving off the line is in that early selection show, they had Houston so highly ranked among the one seeds. Yeah. Houston is the classic example of the resume is just not there. Yeah. Virginia is their best win. The Cavaliers are really tanking. They lost their opportunity against Alabama. I'm sorry the American's not good. Welcome to the Big 12 next season. Right. But Memphis is the only good team they've played in the American. But, they, I mean, they truly are the Ken Palm darlings for a reason, as they've been recently. And they've been a very good team and had the misfortune of running into 2021 Baylor when they were amazing uh, that season at the Final Four. But they're really good. I mean, they beat Oral Roberts, I think, by 35 points 
to open up the season. I think Oral Roberts might be 18 and 0 in their own conference. So right. I, I could understand. I mean, I'd rather be a two seed if you're Baylor in the UCLA or Purdue region than be the one seed and have Houston be your two. I think Houston yeah. is the two or the one I would still try to avoid because that's a nasty in your face, grinded out team. If Baylor plays Houston, I want that to be in Houston. Yeah, exactly. I like I like how you think there. Yeah, no, I see your point there, but um, I, I don't know. I just I feel like if we end up with 15 quad one wins and we're on a six game winning streak, that we're going to be a one seed. But uh, time will tell. We'll see. I mean, we probably do need a few things a break, you know, break here or there to get there. Uh, we need Purdue to lose, or we need Alabama to lose. You know, UCLA possibly. Uh, those those are the things that have to happen. But you know, I don't see whoever wins the Big Twelve tournament is going to have a pretty decent argument for being a one seed. Uh, although I don't think Kansas State can get there, e- even if even if they, you know, win it. Um, I just their resume is not as strong. They don't have those those good wins, you know, outside the conference that Baylor does. Catastrophic non-con. Uh, I don't think they expected to be good when they made their non-con. Right. But credit to Drum Tang for being good. He scheduled a non-con for a first year in a program. Uh, th- I think they're they lost to Butler. They don't really have any good non-con wins. I I've seen some brackets lately. Like I think Jerry Palm had K State on the two and Baylor on the three. I get the head-to-head thing, but much like Texas Tech had the head-to-head over Baylor last year and was on the three line and Baylor was on the one line. I think the non-con will be the difference between K-State and Baylor if they have comparable ends to the season. I think Baylor will be higher on the S-curve than K-State. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Well, it's interesting times in uh, the Big 12 and in Baylor basketball, uh, some good games. Is is what Tonight, do we only have the Texas Tech-Kansas game, or is there another game? I, I've, I know that game's tonight, but I haven't checked the other schedule. Let me look. That's the only one I could think of, but there might be some other random games. We had two Big 12 games yesterday. We normally get one or two Tuesdays. Yeah, just one practice. one tonight, and then tomorrow you've got Texas at TCU, and you've got uh, Kansas State hosting Oklahoma. Man, Oklahoma's a, an interesting team. I mean, they're really playing better the last couple games. Uh, Should have beaten Texas, took them to overtime, and then, you know, went to Iowa State and just totally uh, clobbered Iowa State. And and then, well, then well, then they they, uh, they lost at home to Texas Tech. They, they, they lost by, uh, you know, 11 points to Texas Tech, but before that, uh, they beat, you know, Kansas State soundly. So, I mean, the last four games overall, they've been playing better. You know, they've, they've you know, been much more competitive. And, and so they host uh, – or they, they play Kansas State at Kansas State uh, tomorrow, and then they, then they got TCU at home, uh, which will be an interesting one on Saturday. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, the T- TCU-Texas is going to be must-watch television. You know, it'll be interesting to see if te- Texas can rebound and still give themselves a shot at a Big 12 title. Um, have, Kendall, have you ever heard the word front-runner before? You know, I have heard it. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like Texas is, is a perfect definition of that. Um, you know, first of all, let's talk about an incident that happened before the uh, men's basketball game in Waco. Um, reports were that, you know, Rodney Terry, the strength coach for Texas, uh, they, you know, got to the practice gym two and a half hours early. I've been told that, you know, it's, it's usually a 90 minute thing, you know, before the game that the, the visiting team takes the, the court and then that's the time you get to warm up on the on the actual court. Uh, for some reason, they thought they had the court, you know, two and a half hours early. Uh, but the women were there. You know, the women were practicing. They were getting ready for their game after the Baylor men game, men's game. And uh, 
you know, I've heard rumors that, you know, some, some teams, you know, if they have that situation happen, uh, the coach just goes and politely asks, you know, the team, hey, you know, we, we would like to court, you know, uh, how long are you going to be there? And, you know, maybe the other team says, oh, we'll be another 10 minutes. And then they'll say, okay, that's fine. And then they'll do some warm-up, you know, stretches or whatever, you know, off, off, the, uh, off the court. But evidently Texas didn't feel like that was their right. They felt like they, you know, needed to make a statement. So they got in some, you know, pushing and shoving matches with the women's basketball team, which is, which is interesting. Uh, and then they get in the actual game itself, and they jump out to the 18-4 to lead. Keontae George goes to the bench with an injury. And, you know, they're flexing, they're, they're talking, they're, they're, you know, filling themselves pretty good on the bench. You could see the energy on the bench was, uh, you know, next level, we're going to blow you out kind of stuff. And then uh, Baylor went on their, what, you know, 77 to 54 run after that. And, and uh, before you know it, Texas takes a, a, a pretty significant loss um, to their Big 12 title hopes. Uh, and then the women, I mean, you know, they, they have a sellout crowd last night in Austin. They probably have some champagne on ice. They got the confetti. They got the trophy. They got the T-shirts. It's going to be a beautiful night celebrating the greatness of Texas women's basketball. Uh, Baylor's won 12, you know, Big 12 championships in a row, and it's, it's Texas's turn to take the mantle. And what happens? You know, Nikki uh, Collin takes a pretty shorthanded squad into Austin and and just, you know, totally dominates that game uh, and uh, ends up, you know, beating Texas soundly and, and ruining their – their hopes of getting a, a Big 12 title, at least at delaying it one more game. So, you know, front runners is, I think, a apt de- definition for Texas basketball. Would you agree or disagree? You know, I don't know a lot about Texas women's basketball, but I, <laughs> I can say I'm, I'm starting to believe that about Texas men's basketball. Yeah. Uh, I got to see it a little bit more from Texas men's basketball. Maybe the pressure of Rodney Terry getting the full job is going to weigh on him. So uh, I'm always willing to sell stock in Texas, and I don't even own any. So let's see a little bit more from the Longhorns. <laughs> And actually, I've heard uh, through the grapevine that he has very little shot of getting that Texas head job, which I which I don't think is fair. I mean, I think if if you were to take him, you know, to a Sweet Sixteen or even Elite Eight or Final Four, uh, you know, it seems like logically you would consider him heavily for that job. But I've heard Del Conte is not going that direction under any circumstances. Uh, so it seems like they're a lame duck uh, coaching staff. Um, what do you think about Chris Beard at Ole Miss? That's a rumor I heard recently. Oh, it could make some sense. I don't think they really would have too much of a problem with whatever may or may not have happened to his situation beforehand. And, you know, Chris Del Conte's made zero hires so far that you could say have really worked out in the long term. So <laughs> I wish, you know, the best at Texas continuing to make hires that you can't really justify is that was a good decision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, you know, it'd be interesting that, you know, I think uh, this whole staff may end up in Ole Miss, the Texas staff currently. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if that happens, but uh yeah, Calipari is kind of the hot rumor that maybe Calipari has outworn his welcome in Kentucky and that he's going to reinvigorate himself in Austin. Uh, that'll certainly be interesting if that happens. But, uh, you know, go from one SC school to another. So uh, he knows the landscape of that conference well. That, that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, I can see it happening. Any comments on the Alabama basketball situation while we have you? Um out of respect for an ongoing criminal investigation and to not cancel myself any more than these podcasts already could, I have no, on the advice of my attorney, which is me, I have no comment. <laughs> they certainly are uh, taking a, a page out of the uh, Baylor 2016 um, PR, what not to do with the, with PR relations, though. So I'll tell you what, man. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> 
All right, listen, we've gone long, long enough. Always enjoy uh, talking to you, Kendall. You've been listening to a Ring by Spring podcast with Ashley Hodge and Kendall Couch, Sick and Bears. Heck yeah.